For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's two up top this evening, but it's the strongest two of all. And that means leading the line from the front, wearing the captain's armband, is Carl. So, Carl, how have things been this past week? Yeah, really good. Thanks, Dan. Um, like I say, you know, disappointed not to have any football on the weekend. But I think, you know, we're now just looking forward to what we can do. Nice bit of rest. And then we'll hit it all again in, in a few weeks' time, mate. Oh, yeah, it's coming around very quickly. So, put your feet up after this one, because you've certainly earned it. But before we do, I need to bring in your teammate. And that, of course, is James. James, how have you been this past week? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Thank you. Um, I think, having said that, I can't wait for the season to finish for Spurs. I, I actually do miss them a little bit. Um, yeah, but uh, I guess I guess we'll have to just look forward to the, to the new season. Absolutely, mate. Right, now, obviously the season has ended, but last week I had very dodgy internet, so we were sort of hampered by the show. It was in and out, and we were sort of cutting and editing, loads of magic behind the scenes. So we didn't quite get the perfect opportunity to wrap things up and ask a few more questions. With that in mind and also some new stories, we thought, do you know what? We love it so much. Let's give you one more episode because you've been well behaved this season. So before we chat all things Tottenham, let's get the social media bits out of the way so we can dissect all the headlines and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Coming Spurs app where the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us across social media. We're on Twitter at COIS underscore COM and we're on all the major audio platforms as Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. You name it, we're on there. And if we're not, let us know. We'll get it on there for next season. Right, let's get down to business. And that business, Cole, is a season which I think, thankfully, is over. You know, no matter where you gloss it, we could do the rest regardless. So, what, seven, eight days ago, there were certainly some celebrations on the touchline from Jose Mourinho and co. And those celebrations fed into the fan base indirectly. Have those celebrations been muted anyway after Arsenal winning the FA Cup? No, I don't think so. Um... Because even though they've kind of won the FA Cup and obviously that has a knock-on effect to us, doesn't it now? You know, now we've got to go through some of these preliminary games before we enter the the group stage. I think when you look at the sort of competition you're going to be playing in those preliminary games, you don't see anyone giving us a problem at all. We should get through that. Um, I think the only major little bit of disappointment around that comes in the fact that those preliminary games take place um, after the season has started. Um, They could have potentially been nice to have as warm-up games that could help you prepare for the season. Um, But it, it is what it is. You know, the bottom line is I think we've still got European football. We can be confident we'll get through those games and get into the group stage and the competition proper. Um, it doesn't really fuss me, Arsenal winning the FA Cup. You know, it, it hasn't changed my view on the season and I don't think it potentially changes a lot um, for what we need to do going forward, if I'm honest. Um, you know, I've, I've seen some people suggesting that, oh, you know, does that make them a, a better proposition for people to, to join ahead of us next season? And, and I don't honestly don't think so. Um, I think we're... I don't think we're any worse off by them winning that competition. And it, and it doesn't change what we need to do going forward. And it, and it won't have a massive effect on what we do, in my opinion. So, James, when we look at Arsenal, that's four FA Cups they've won in seven seasons. Now, we finished above them in the league four seasons in a row. Does that extension of their trophy hall smart ever so slightly? Because you're sort of thinking, yes, we got close to the promised land, but not cracked that glass ceiling. And Arsenal down the road are still lifting some form of silverware. With that said... Do we just have to ignore what they do and keep concentrating on our end project? I think you've hit the nail on the head, mate. Yeah, it, obviously it stings a bit that, that you know they're they're having this big celebration, they're they're lifting a trophy, um, but you know you can't exactly call the last four years or however long successful for them. Um, it, it, you know that the coverage on on BBC uh, at the weekend it, it kind of made me laugh a little bit just because it was it was all very. Uh, Mikel Arteta has brought Arsenal back from the dead and you know he, he just hasn't you know they've, they've finished mid-table in the league a, a team you know, we, we hate to admit it but a team the size of Arsenal they shouldn't be finishing there and and uh, as we say that that has just papered over the cracks and there are massive cracks in Arsenal Football Club Tot- Tottenham they, we have too but but you know I, I just I think we, we've had a bad season we've admitted that we've had a bad season and we've finished 
significantly higher in the table than them. So I, this is it's the exact same argument for me about about when people say that that Tottenham need to win a trophy. If we'd have won the FA Cup this season, it would have massively papered over the cracks that we we didn't have a good season. Arsenal had a terrible season, and yet that coverage was ridiculous. You've got players, the players acting like they've won the the European Cup, that they've like they've absolutely taken the league by storm because they 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 had a good cup run, which which they did. Fair play to them, but I just don't think that they they deserve the kind of praise that they're getting. They had a bad season, as did Tottenham, but. You know, it's 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 not where they should be as a club, and in the same way, we're not as where we should be as a club either. Um, so, it's it's what I say consistently about about the trophy debate. For me, it's 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 about being consistent throughout the season, uh, and and I think you know if we'd have finished in in the top four, it, it would have been a good season. But it, we haven't, and uh, you know we at least we haven't papered over the cracks, as I say, like like they have, uh, and you know. That, that, that's all I have to say on it, really. I think it's a bit embarrassing, um, uh, and obviously, obviously, we're a little bit jealous. But you, you can't really say that Arsenal are the powerhouse that they once were. Uh, I think that we're we're more likely to recover from this season than they are. I think they're 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 more likely to crumble again next season, and we're more likely to to go on and 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 go back to where we should be in the table. So, Carl, that win for the Gunners, it certainly set. Tottenham Twitter ablaze for the next 24 hours, perhaps even more. So in terms of frustration and anger, where should that be directed? Are people using this as another stick in which to beat Enoch with, for example? Yeah, of course. I think I think people will, you know, and, and Potch. You know, I think we saw over the weekend, don't you? You know, you get those tweets of like, oh, Teta's been in the job six months and already won more than Potch did uh, in his five years or so at Spurs. Um, so I think we're going to, you know, you'll see the mud slung um, at both parties. Um, and, and in a way, you know, there is elements to say that both are to blame for the fact that we maybe didn't win trophies, you know, team selections weren't always what they probably should have been in the key matches, um, you know, managers getting back the way they should have done. So I think, like as James said, we we have that tinge of jealousy because obviously we would all have loved to have been there Saturday lifting that trophy at the end of the day. Um, but it, it's not to be. Um, and we probably should have done a lot better over the recent times you know we should have at least had at least maybe one or two league cups and maybe one or two fa cups if we if we didn't win the title because we had a team that was good enough to do it um i think you know as we say i think you can look at everyone has to take the blame don't they you know the board will have to take some some blame for not potentially bringing in players that they maybe should have done or not bringing in um, you know, bringing in too much potential rather than bringing in the finished article. I think some of the managers have to take the blame. You know, again, it's easy to say, you know, Poch didn't pick, always pick his best team when he should have done. But then I, I put a tweet out over the weekend that one thing that kind of frustrated me was when Jose took over. I honestly seriously thought we had a real strong chance of an FA Cup victory this season. You know, for some reason, just something in me thought I could see us going on to win the FA Cup now. And when you look back at that, the frustration again is that when we had Norwich at home, Jose goes and picks Michael Vaughan to play in goal, a keeper who hadn't played any football, wasn't looking a great keeper the season before when we had him. And all of a sudden he picks him in a key FA Cup game. And ultimately it's his mistakes, you know, that night, you know, fumbling most of the things that come his way that have ended up costing us the game letting Norwich equalise. And yes, you can argue we weren't doing enough as we were attacking-wise, but the bottom line was we'd had the one goal we were leading. Um, but that picking that goalkeeper, that inexperienced, well, not inexperienced, but you know, a keeper who hadn't played any football throughout the season, came back to cost us that night and cost us possibly going through. And who knows, we may not still have won the cup, but who knows what could have happened. We may have got through and then who knows, we could have gone on to win it. So again, you've got to look there and think, you know, Jose's come in and everyone says he's a serial winner, the man's a winner, but he made a ricket that cost us a game and cost us a potential trophy. So I don't think you can point the finger at one person. I think, you know, everyone's got to look at themselves and then they need to recover and now work out what the best way to move forward is where, like as James said, we can get ourselves back where we should be. Well, this is right, Carl. I mean, when you say about 
guess, collective blame. At the same time, James, the players can't be absolved from it either, can they? Because, yes, you can criticise the board for not backing when needed. Yes, you can criticise tactical decisions. But, you know, this season aside, we have got ourselves in very good positions to win stuff, but not got over the line. So some of that blame does also have to go into the shoulders of our players also. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, yeah. 100%. I agree with you. You, you look at uh, uh, even just our cup runs this season, you think even if you're playing a rotated squad, and even if you're throwing the reserves out there or trying something new, you should have enough to get get past the teams that we came came across. You know, you look at against against Colchester, um, just not good enough. And again, Norwich, we 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 fielded a, a good team against Norwich. We should have had enough to beat them. They were foot of the Premier League table. They took us all the way to penalties and then we lost. And, you know, you, you look back at that game, we had chances in that game. Uh, Lucas Moura not squaring the ball for Deli Alli. That, that that's two relatively experienced players uh, who, who, who messed up a, a good chance there. Uh, you know, the amount of players, you know, players missing penalties. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be missing penalties. And that's not down to the, down to the manager. You know, you, you just think that it's what I say time and time again on this podcast. That you just you expect Tottenham to have the players with the ability to to grab this game by the scruff of the neck, uh, and and think we're, we're gonna we're gonna win this game. Uh, I don't know whether it's down to mentality, but you know the the the, the tactics deployed by the manager only take you so far, and the rest of it is is down to skill and getting your head up and and playing playing football at the end of the day, uh, and and at, at plenty of times, as you say, we just weren't good enough. And it is an easy scapegoat to to rest on the laurels and say, look, the the manager told us to do this, and it's it's just not good enough, you know, conceding goals when you shouldn't concede goals, and and just being lacklustre, not making a run because you know you can't be bothered, or not tracking a runner. We we should have the players with the with the ability, with the ball at their feet, and and with the you know the, the footballing brains to to be able to beat these teams, but. But for some reason, we a lot of the time we just can't do it, and hopefully that's a mentality thing that that Jose will get out of them, uh, especially in cup games because maybe we've been thinking about the league, maybe we've been thinking about other things, but they need to be you know have that mentality that they're going to go into every game uh, in, in the same way, and you know the the teams to look at is, is is Wolves, you know the way that Wolves have managed to play so many games on the Europa League front while still having a very very good Premier League season. And if you look, if you look at the the wall side, it isn't necessarily any deeper than ours. They they've got players who've been playing week in week out. They've been playing two two centre midfielders, none of them none of which are big bulky defensive midfielder. You know they've they've done very well, and and hopefully that's the kind of team that we can emulate. On the basis of this season and it ending, I've done some digging in terms of where we finished across the history of the Premier League, and there's some stats that I'm going to sort of read out, and we can dissect them very quickly. So. If you look at the Premier League as a whole since the 92-93 season, our average league finish is 7.6. If you look at it from the Enoch era, it's 6.21. If you look at it from the 2006 season when Martin Yell took over and our ascendancy started to get underway, it's 5.06. And if you look at it from the last decade, it's 4.3. So there's an upward trajectory, shall we say, Carl. But what do you make of those averages? What can you read into that yourself? Yeah, I think, you know, the one thing you can sort of say from those averages is are we actually doing what we probably need to do to get higher up the chain, you know, when we should do? Have we, have we taken advantage of where we're getting to when we get there? And, and I think that's the one thing that if I look, if, you know, if you ask me to look back on the Enoch area, you know, say they was to go tomorrow and suddenly we're being taken over and someone said, what's your view on the Enoch area? I would always just look back on it and say, ultimately, I think the way you're judging them is that they they just weren't really ever prepared to go and do enough to kind of take giant leaps forward. You know, were they ever really prepared to go and say one season, let's go and throw a load of money at this um, and see what happens and see if we can get ourselves in a real title challenge and actually push it all the way, win some trophies. And ultimately, I think that that is what's cost us over the time, you know, the Enoch bat, the Enoch um, argument is always is always a heated one, isn't it? You know, you've got 
people. There's no one, I don't think, in the middle. I think everyone, you're either an Enoch fan or you either loathe them. Um, and for me, I, I'd say I'm somewhere in the middle. You know, you can appreciate what they've done for the club. Um, off the pitch, been brilliant. You know, the brand is where we are now as a brand. Um, we're right up there and they've done really well. On the pitch, though, you'd have to sit there and say, yes, we've done well. But I don't think they've ever taken advantage of being what I would consider to be a big club. I still say we've gone, we've we've been chugging along with still a small club mentality, just thinking, well, hopefully, you know, again, if we can just get in that top four again, that's great. Rather than actually going, right, we're here now, we're on the big stage. Now let's push on even more and, and you know, use this to our advantage while we can and make the most of it. And I think, you know, like as you say, those stats kind of just show you that, yes, there's an upward, you know, trajectory and we've been getting better. But I think we probably could have gone up a notch even more than that. You know, once you started getting to your fourth or your fifth, you should then be going, now I want to get up to third regularly. You know, and then from there, it's second. And then from there, it's we, we want to be winning things regularly. And I don't think they could say they've actually gone and done enough to, to kind of push us on in those key moments and act like a big club that, in theory, we are. You know, whether people like it or not, we are a big club, but I just don't think we have a big club mentality and, and we wield the power like we should do. I think, you know, the way of the money side of things is being run, looking at it as a small club still, um, and we don't go and exert our power um, the way we should do. But I say it's such a tough argument there are things they've done well, but I, I just don't think, you know, this is right down the middle. And any time you put it on Twitter about something about Enoch, you'll be there all night tweeting with people from both different angles. But, James, in terms of those numbers, it does show a model of consistency in terms of, like we say, upward trajectory. If you look at the last decade as a whole, fourth seems about par. So are we sometimes, as fans, expecting too much or is it because, as Carl alludes to, Enoch not really giving us that full thrust of support, that really we sort of our mood's been tempered and fourth is a sort of not actually good enough. Really, we should be striving for even further places. I think I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, Carl really sparked me there. Like you, you, you we've we've had men, loads of opportunities over the last few years. Not not just one opportunity, not just under Poch. There were opportunities before that to to look at where we are, to look at how well we're playing and what a good team we've got. And add to it and kick on, you know. Look at look at the team that Redknapp had, you know, in the, in that that Champions League run, and then that summer we go and get Ryan Nelson. And it was it the January or the summer we went got Ryan Nelson and and Louis Saha instead of adding to that team, which was a brilliant team. You got Van der Vaart, Bale, Modric. You know that team got ripped apart probably because they they looked at our side and looked at our signings and thought this is this is as far as it gets. We're, we're happy. But when we know we're at our peak, when that's not what players want, they want investment. They want to see this kick on from there, especially if we're finishing fourth, because because that that is literally the, it's the start of what what we had, what we could have done. And then again, under under Pochettino, the last season at the Lane, you know we've got that absolutely incredible team. But that was a starting eleven that only appeared in in a, a handful of games. You know that that back three and, and Waniyama and Dembele and, and Walker and Rose, and then that you know Ericsson and Delhi and Kane. But look at that bench, look at the bench that we had. You know, yeah, we added Son, but we had we had players like Lamella with when he wasn't firing, and just a, a, an absolute pathetic bench that 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 meant when we when we had injuries and when when we wanted to change a game up, we just never had the opportunity. So that's another chance that we had to kick on. And the the team to look at for me right now, and it and it worries me, is is Chelsea, because look at look at what they've done, what Lampard has done over the last season, season and a half. He's done what what Pochettino did. He's he's built Tottenham with he's he's managed to build Chelsea in the way that Pochettino built Tottenham. In that he's given youth a chance. These these players have have gelled together and they're playing in a system that that works. And he hasn't spent any money, so he's built it from from the bottom. And now, when they're at that pinnacle, when when they're at that point, like that, like Chelsea are, they run out of steam a little bit towards the end of the season. They 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 almost missed out, but then and then clinched it in the in the end. And also, 
just ran out of steam in, in the cup final as well. But that's been highlighted. It's been it's been known that they need a centre forward. So they go and get Timo Werner. He's not he's not an unknown entity from an unknown league. He is a top quality footballer. He's someone who is going to take them to the next level. Hakim Ziyech again. He's not a, he's not a footballer from he's not a cut price option from France. He he is a, is a quality Champions League footballer, and again he will take them to the next level. Again, if they go and get Havertz, then that's just another another proven quality player who who is going to make them better. So they they've Lampard's done his job. He's he's made them better by spending no money by using their academy. Pochettino didn't spend any money really, and and made us better with with young players and by changing up the system. If we'd have backed him, like Abramovich is, is backing Lampard now, we could have kicked on after the Champions League final. We could have kicked on this season, but it just never happened. And and it's going to be a little depressing to watch if if Chelsea if, if Lampard gets everything to click because that's the that's the same model that we had and and. It's you know we could have we could have done what they've done, but we we missed out because because we were as I said we were overachieving, and and Levy was was happy with us overachieving because you know because he was at the end of the day he was raking it in, um, so it's it's going to be frustrating if they kick on, but that that could have been us on as I say on more than one occasion. So in terms of expectations, Cole, they're going to rise and resurface over the next couple of months. With that said, are you already showing signs of transfer window fatigue? <laughs> I think it's, it's really interesting, isn't it? You know, uh, you almost sort of wonder that where some of these Spurs fans must have been living under a rock because the minute the transfer window opens, you know, by the sort of third or fourth day, people are like, I can't believe we haven't signed anyone <laughs> yet. You know, what's going on? You know, we're well behind everybody else. You know, look at Watford. Watford have gone and signed two players. And never mind the quality that they'll be, but, you know, they've signed players. Um, so I do think people start to panic a little bit when the transfer window opens. And, you know, if you haven't gone and signed four or five players within the first two weeks, everyone's up in arms and, oh, this is chaos. You know, we should be getting our business done early. Um, I think we needed to remember, you know, the season hadn't finished by the time the transfer window opened. So lots of players, lots of clubs weren't going to be prepared to kind of put their cards on the table until everything's done. You know, look at someone like Willian, for instance. Now, I'd be all for assigning him. um, But while Chelsea was still in the FA Cup and their season's going, he's not going to just start focusing on his next move and, and ignore his training and everything like that. He probably wants to also see what happens. You know, if they win that and Champions League, they might be prepared to offer him a better deal. So you've got to accept that now everything's finished. Now let's see where we go. We also know we have a chairman who doesn't like to go early. He sees deals out, you know, you've seen enough agents come out and say that, you know, you look like you think you've got a deal one day and then the next day you're getting, you know, you're speaking to Daniel and everything's changed and he's trying to put another clause in or something like that. So we know we drag deals out and we probably won't see anything happen um, until pretty close, I'd say, till the season starts, you know, and who knows what sort of business we're going to do. You know there's going to be a couple of players in, but I think if you look at the thing, the way we're hearing, we're going to have to ship some players out first of all um, and then start looking at bringing people in. But, yes, certainly I, I don't expect to see nothing until almost nearly the, you know, the last week of pre-season before the season starts when we'll start seeing some action. So I think if you're looking on Twitter for transfer news as a Spurs fan, I'd say you're probably better off just stopping and you'll give your heart a bit of a rest and you'll give your anxiety and your stress levels a bit of a decrease and probably that's a better thing for you overall health-wise. Good health advice there, Carl. James, in terms of the ability to sign players in October, how important will that be? Because obviously last season, the transfer window closed before the season started, so we're going to have a bit of a swing round this time around. Is that a benefit to Spurs, or are we hoping that Levy goes against the grain of his usual tactics and gets early business done? Well, I think I was rude in somewhere that, that because we we aren't going to qualify for, for the Europa League until uh, a little bit later, the group stage, that is, anyway, um, I think we 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 don't get a lot, much of the funding until until much later. Um, so whether that plays a role, uh, it remains to be seen. But if we're going off 
off what we've seen before, then then Levy's going to leave it to the last minute, and and it, it, he only does that because he likes to see how things plan out, and and if and if players are desperately wanting out, they like get them to force an exit before. It, it's never really worked, in all fairness. I think we've 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 had some decent deadline days, but but you know, there's teams I've, I've always favoured getting getting someone in at the start of the transfer window so that they've got time to gel with the team and they've you know they've it's it's just a no-brainer but I think a lot of as Carl says I think a lot of football fans think that transfer business is is similar to football manager similar similar to FIFA it's it's just not it's there's a lot more tactics to it there's a lot more you know fine details in in the finances and things um so it's it's there's a big difference between what we want and what the what the, the chairman wants if if he manages to shave save a couple of um, million pounds by leaving it late then he's going to do it and and that that couple of million pounds might go elsewhere so there's positives in it but you know if you're talking from a footballing perspective you identify the player you want you pay the money for that player and and you get him in so he can integrate with the squad and 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 hopefully be fit and ready to start the premier league season but you know we we, we have this conversation every year and and daniel levy He's gonna he's gonna go about the transfer business as he always has, um, especially if if those extra funds aren't going to come in until late October. So, I think it's going to be another another quiet summer, uh, and I think you know we're going to be glued to our, our transfer deadline day uh, signings again, uh, and I don't think it's going to change. Carl James makes a very good point about FIFA Football Manager. You know, it's great that these games have allowed people to get a better idea of, you know, any player in the world almost. You know, the database and the attributes that come with that are second to none. At the same time, it creates a lot of problems because the amount of people who will then use those stats and figures and whatnot and create shopping lists or they'll do business in the head and they'll mark out that, oh, if we sell all of these players, we get 130 million in and then we've got budget for this. Doesn't really help the issue, does it? Because then people are sort of building their own shopping list, not getting what they want, creating anger, getting fired at Enoch, and it just creates a vicious circle. So it's almost, there's too much information and that information isn't getting used properly. Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it, nowadays? You know, when you consider as well that we can watch a lot more football, can't we? You know, you can have so many subscriptions nowadays. As we know, you can probably watch any football on any continent, you know, any game that's on it at any point you can try and tune in and that does give people a wider knowledge of the players that are out there as you say we we get more press around what x person's on or what they're worth so everyone as you say in their own minds starts building up their own personal shopping list and oh well i like this bloke and you could get him for this much and like as you say if we was to sell lamella for this much then that goes towards everything unfortunately because none of us work at the club um, and and know the actual ins and outs. You don't know what strategy is being put forward. We don't know what types of player people want. None of us know Jose Mourinho and who he wants. So we can all throw names out there. But if you were to sit with Jose Mourinho and, and throw some names out, he might say, I don't rate that bloke at all. I wouldn't, if Daniel Levy came to me with him, I'd be saying I don't want him. It, it does all focus around what the manager wants, what type of player the club are looking to sign, as you say, it's not easy to get, you know, sometimes it's not easy to get rid of players. You know, a player might play difficult, not want to play the game and say he doesn't want to move. You know, if we look at Danny Rose, for an example, the club wanted him to go to Watford. He didn't want to. So he stayed put. <coughs> you know, you're then in that situation of, OK, well, we was hoping that we might be getting X amount for him. But now we're not. So that's still wages on the book. As you say, everyone's a manager in their head. Everyone thinks they've done the sums and they know what there is. All I really want to know and, and what I'm hoping happens behind the scenes is that if we've brought Jose in and we know he, you know, he's got his track record and everything there, I'm hoping that the club say, listen, you give us some targets that you want. We'll go and see if we can get them. If not, we might have to come back to you for what's your, what's your option B on here, you know, and you've got to hope that manager has, you know, an option A for this position, but then an option B, an option C. And we know, you know, we've previous managers have come out before, haven't they, and said that unfortunately I, I gave them this and this target and that target, was told no, and I had to go for this target and that target. We can only hope they trust 
who they've brought in to do the job. And we have to hope as fans that uh, that's just hope that guy is having an input on transfers. I always worry when you hear managers saying, well, you know, I don't, I'm not really having an input on who we sign because you think, well, you're the guy coaching these players or going to have to get something out of them. So I'd like to think you're having a say, which I'm sure they are. That's just, I'm sure all this work's been done. I'm sure targets have been identified. I'm sure they know who they're going to go after. But there's probably a lot going on in the background that says we have to do the X, Y and Z to make this happen. And it's not as easy to get done. I would, you know, we, we all think we've signed players, as James said, on championship, you know, football manager, championship manager, FIFA. And you just go, well, OK, I'll bid you 30 million. And the club go, yeah, there you go. It doesn't work like that in a real world, unfortunately. Um, and, and players have a lot of say what happens as well. So that's just hope the club have got a plan together. That's hope it's a bit smarter than it's been previously. That's hope we identify the right areas that need strengthening. Well, that's hope they've learnt from previous seasons where we know we're potentially going to have Harry out at some point with an injury and we need to actually finally have a backup striker who can come in and take the pressure off. Um, and you can only hope maybe that missing out on the Champions League football is a bit of the egg on the face for Enoch and the board and they'll want to bounce back from that and get themselves back in the Champions League because that's what that new stadium is built for. Absolutely. I mean, if it is a catalyst, like I've said before, then you'll take this blip and the ends will justify the means overall. If it doesn't, then you're sort of thinking, hang on, we are starting to regress much further from that second place a few years ago. So you want to sort of stop that trend as quick as you can and hopefully it's an upward curve. With that said, James, it's going to have to be clever business, shall we say. And there was business that looked like it might have started off on Saturday. However, it's been quelled slightly. That man involved is Tangi Ndumbele. It was a move to Inter. So, you know, there's been a lot of comments about that Levy wants him to stay. Mourinho, is he keen? Is Ndombele even keen of staying? You know, there's a lot of uh, components into the melting pot at the moment. But is this the last we're going to hear about his potential outgoing from the club? I think it's what we said before in that if someone comes in and waves that transfer fee under our noses, it might be quite tempting to take. Um, just because uh, the, the transfer kit is going to be a little bit small as it is, uh, and we have other other positions on the pitch to fill. Um, that said, I, I hope he stays. I, I want him to stay, um, just because I think we'd be missing out on a, on a player with massive potential. Um, it's it's just a it's a difficult one because there are, as I say, there are other positions on the pitch that are vital to us as a club moving forward. To, to, to get it filled and, and if it means get, getting another 60, 65 million pound in the pot then we could probably buy two two decent players that would probably go into our first team for that kind of money um, it all depends on on what the club thinks about Ndombele and, and, and whether they think that he can turn it around uh, I think I, I saw the, the point made on, on Twitter that is hits the nail on the head really that if we can give Eric Lamella seven years as a Tottenham player, then surely we can afford to give a, a player with the potential of Undombele at least two. Um, and I think he he will retain that, that transfer fee even if we give him one more season because it, it won't just disappear from the memory how good he was last year. You know, if if he has another season next season like like he just had, then questions will be called upon him. But I think... It, he, he would still command a, a good transfer fee and he would still be a, an attractive transfer target to uh, a, a foreign club, you know, uh, in the in the French League or the Italian League. I think it's, if he if he managed to do it again in this season, I think it'd be clear that he, he can't keep up with the pace of the Premier League. Um, but he, he's still got that eye for a pass that, that would make him do well in, in say, the French League uh, or, or, yeah, or, 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 or Syria, like, like you say. Um, but if we can afford, I say, if, if we can afford to give Eric Lamella that amount of time to adjust to England, to adjust to a new team and, and adjust to Tottenham, then I think we can afford to give someone like Ndombele at least another year. Um, but as I say, it's 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 a funny one because if if the if if Daniel Levy gets sixty million waved under his nose, um, I think you, you might see that that wheeler dealer in him. Um, uh, and then he might be off, but 
I think we'd be making a huge mistake. Now, it's fair to say a rebalance job is going to be taking place over the summer, or we hope so anyway, and the focus is going to be on full-backs. Now, you can have one each to talk about. Carl, first up, you get Danny Rose. What do you make of his comments today? And more importantly, can you see him wearing the Tottenham colours next season? <laughs> Good old Danny Rose. He, he, he never stops winding Tottenham fan base up, does he, Danny? He's always got something good to say. Um, I can understand where he's coming from. You know, I think we have to accept that he does love the club. You know, I think it's one thing that you can't accuse Danny of, which is it's clear that he's a Tottenham boy and he does love us um, and he wants to do well. Unfortunately, I don't see him being in a Spurs shirt again next season. I think, you know, it's clear that, you know, that him, you know, there was a rift between him and even if not Jose, but him and the board now and, and the way the club is run, they don't see eye to eye. And I think, unfortunately, when you kind of go up against your employers, normally there's only one winner. Um, and it's not meant, it's not often the employee has kind of outstayed the employer. So for me, I think, you know, I respect Danny. You know, I think some of what he said, as many first Spurs fans didn't like it, he said the right things and what a lot of people now are going, well, actually, yeah, you know, this guy it, it was telling the truth. He loves us, but I think we'll see him move on. If it's not Newcastle, I see him being somewhere else, but I don't see him ever getting a game again in the Spurs shirt, unfortunately. I think you're right there, Carl. James, you get to talk about Serge Aurier. He's gone to the attention of AC Milan, news that will make a lot of fans perhaps incredibly happy. That said, there's a bit of an issue that if we sell him, we could be down to zero right back. So if the Ivorian does move on, surely we have to look at drafting his replacement in first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, personally, I'd, I'd drive him there. Uh, yeah, I I wouldn't even make him pay for petrol, mate. Oh, that's I'd, kind of you. I would I'd front the bill and, and I'd take him there. Um, uh, put it down as an experiment that that didn't go very well. Um, he he don't get me wrong, he's he's filled in there. He's he's played a lot of football there. Don't forget. Um, but he just has not got the quality, and he's he's so erratic and just a car crash of a footballer, if you ask me. Um, but in terms of his replacement, I feel like that might be an area where where Levy tries to scrimp. I think he's he's got his eyes on Tanganga and thinking, oh, I've hit the jackpot again um, because another freebie come through the, the ranks and uh, don't, a very, very good fullback, if you ask me. I think he, he certainly has the potential to, to be our starting right back. Um, but that would mean that we'd probably get in another right back that would be happy to sit on the bench or happy to sit in the reserves while while Tanganga gets the games. Um, a, a big bonus for Levy um, for us. It, it could go either either way because obviously we've we're all very impressed with Tanganga, who's talked about being our player of the season before before that injury and before the break. Um, and I'd be more than happy if he was our starting right back, but. It is it, at the end of the day, it is only potential. He might not be the, the player that we that we think he is. Um, he might have just had a purple patch. Uh, in terms of Aurier, though, as I say, it's a it's an experiment that I, I I don't think has gone well. I think AC Milan would be a, a great move for him. Uh, I think he'd do very well in in that league. I think he'd have a lot more freedom and and not have the, the responsibility that, that is put again on him in, in our big games in the Premier League. Um, and I, 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 as I say, I think Tang Yanga could be a great player for us. Failing that, hopefully, we, we do go big and we do get a right-back in that, that can deliver a ball and, and is, is that top quality. But looking at the list of the names that have been mentioned, there isn't really a, a top quality right-back there. There's... there's uh, the lad from Atlanta uh, and, and another lad from, from League One who I, I, I've never heard of. And and then Max Ahrens, who I've, I've never really been blown away by. So it's a list of, again, second-rate fullbacks, And it, it, we are at risk of, of leaving ourselves short in in that position. But for me, um, we play with a, a player less when our is on the pitch anyway. So, so we might as well get rid of him while we can and, and get a bit of dough for him. Cole, the last thing you want to be caught short is in attack. And that has been the case more often than not. So, Troy Parrott has been loaned to Millwall, following in the footsteps of a certain Harry Kane. Do you think that is the right move for him? 
Yeah, I do. Um, you know, I think we were saying when we every, everyone was crying out for Troy to be given a run of games or, you know, constantly on the bench. And, and I think you kind of forget that, you know, you do have to work up to that level. Um, and as we saw with Harry, you know, Harry had quite a few loans before he then came back uh, and was all the better for them. You know, one thing that I do think has held us back over a little bit of time um, was not loaning players out to let them get experience. You know, you look at Foyth, Carl Walker-Peters, Oliver Skip, you know, all players like that that I think it's all well and good being with a squad and being around a squad. And yes, I'm sure you gain some experience from that. But actually, if you really want to develop and gain and see someone, it's regular first-team football that's needed. And I think this is a great move for Troy. He can go there. You know, Millwall had a good finish to the season. There'll be a good side next season. And if he can start scoring goals regularly there, then I think we can start to get excited, thinking we may have a player on our hands. But I think it's a great move. And I think, you know, we may have learned the lesson of, you know, just get these players out there, give them a year, let him learn, let him, you know, try and score some goals, regular first-team football. And then we may see we have, you know, Kane's understudy and a second option up top. We just need to make sure we get someone in so that while he is away at Millwall, we've got some cover there and someone who can take that bit of pressure. Well, James, talking of Troy's and low moves, Sunday saw us linked with Troy Deeney. Now, I know we've mentioned cotton-picking relegated players in the past. Is this perhaps a stretch, that idea, or is this something that you're on board with? Uh, I'd be on board with him, um, only because he, he seems to hate Arsenal quite a lot. Um, but yeah, I think a player with with Premier League quality and a player who um, who who would be quite happy to sit on the bench. I feel um, if he was at a big a big club like Tottenham, uh, I'd be happy with I'd, I'd be happier with Callum Wilson. Um, but that's just personal preference. Um, uh, and I, I, you know, I, I think any kind of backup for Kane right now would be would be a good uh, a good move especially with the the Europa League games um with with Troy going out on loan I thought the Europa League would have been a great a great a great chance for him um but obviously the hierarchy thought otherwise um you just think are we are we going to line up with with Lucas Moura up front in in these Europa League games or is Harry going to have to play every game and at the moment Lucas Moura is starting every game in the league so it's it's a you can't really predict what's going to happen. I, I, I do think we are we are going to get a striker in. That's that's. I mean, I just I don't see how we we can't because, I say with 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 Son and Lucas starting every game, who does who does that leave? Uh, and Troy out on loan. But you know, I'd, I'd be happy with Deeney. Whether he's going to whether he's going to come or not, I, I'm not entirely sure. I think he he'd probably be relatively happy to go into the championship with Watford. Uh, and and I think he'd do quite well there. Uh, on the flip side of that, I think Wilson is a player who wants to stay in the Premier League, and and I, th- I think I could see him him forcing a move, and I'd 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 also be on board with that one. Carl, I'll get your opinions on Wilson in just a moment, James. I want to stay with you because you mentioned the Europa League and the season as a whole. So I believe the Europa League for us now is going to be eighteen matches. You add the rigors of a Premier League season, we're up to fifty six. You want to go strong in a cup, at least one of them. We're up to 60 matches plus. So squad depth is going to be absolutely vital next season, isn't it? Uh, exactly. And uh, if you look at the system that we've been employing, you you, you do seem to worry. Um, out and out wingers, we've got Son, Lucas and Bergwijn. You, you don't really want to be putting anyone else there. I mean, Lamella on the wing, not really. Uh, and, and I think if if you're gonna if he is going to carry on with the two up top, what, what what else do you use? You, you use one of Son or Lucas or and Kane or, or Delhi maybe. It's 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 a pretty thin squad when you talk a bit talk a bit like that. Especially when you look at our track record with injuries. If it, you know, it, I'd think it was doable if we just didn't have such a bad record with injuries. Like I, I, I mentioned Wolves earlier. They've they've they play the same system in every game. They seem to play the same players in every game. You don't you don't re- you rarely see them. Having to call on many other many other players, um, I, I, you know, I, I mentioned again about about Moutinho and Neves as, as a midfield too. They they seem to play every game with maybe Dan Donker coming in every now and then, but they have a consistency in their squad. Whereas Tottenham, we've never seemed to 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 do that. We always 
have injuries uh, and and I just I think next season's going to be the same thing especially with so many games being played so because of that I think we need to up the depth in in certain positions I think we're probably just about sorted in center midfield uh, and maybe center back but everywhere else in the park you're thinking well who else are we going to are we going to play if they've played 90 minutes in the Europa League are they going to play 90 minutes again at the weekend We've we've only got a couple of players who you can see doing that, and and one of them is Musa Sissoko. So if he's playing ninety minutes every week, then we have to, we have something to be worried about. Um, I just think you know we 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 need to yeah we need to strengthen uh, in depth, otherwise we we're going to be in trouble. Carl, I know you've sung the praises of Callum Wilson previously. Now we've always spoke about second strikers and where would they fit and how they play backup. But with an 18-match Europa League campaign, that's almost the perfect tournament for those kind of minutes, isn't it? Yeah, I think, you know, when, when you look at a season as a whole, th- there's plenty of football to go round, especially if you're a side that's in European competition. Um, and as you say, given the UEFA Cup and the games you're going to play in that, or the Europa League, sorry, um, you, you need you need depth. Um for me, you know, if, if you offered me two options now and said, OK, you go and get Callum Wilson and potentially on the cheap, you go and get Troy Deeney. So you've got a squad that has three strikers. You've got Harry's your main striker, as we know. Um, you've got Callum Wilson, who's someone who can come on and play with him um, or, you know, in cup games can come on and, and take that position. So Harry gets a rest. You've also got Troy Deeney there, who, again, experience can come on in certain games or might play, say, League Cup or something like that. For me, they'd be two signings that I think would be perfect. You know, Deeney is a, is, a, is a Jose type player, isn't he? You could see it. An old head who's going to come in, could ruffle some feathers. You know, if things are not going right on the pitch, he wouldn't be afraid to be in the dressing room getting stuck in, giving people some stick. Um, and he could be the sort of player that, like I say, you're not aiming to start him against the likes of Man City and that. But what you are saying is, we've got a striker that sometimes needs wrapping in cotton wool and saving for the big occasion. That means he might have to miss out on some of those lower key games. You need those sort of players to me, Wilson and Troy Deeney, if you offered me those two or, a, you know, a random young striker from the French League or the Dutch League, I'm taking Deeney and Callum Wilson all day long for their experience of the Premier League. And I think if you had if you had a front three there that's not going to bust a bank either, you know, they, they would be cheaper options, but solid options and options that I think make us, you know, give us a good chance next season of knowing that one, we don't burn Harry Kane out and those guys get enough games to keep them happy. And when they do come in, they can offer something to the team. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It's all about not underestimating Premier League experience. You know, we've had, tried it in G and all that kind of sort of Vincent Janssen's, that kind of foreign bracket of striker that might be emerging and might be up and coming but we've had our fingers burnt too many times let's try something different you know why not because nothing else seems to be working so why not go for that kind of mould of striker let's go I also like the way that Cole's showing his age tonight we've had UEFA Cup Championship Manager references our younger listeners are probably thinking what? what's that never heard of it but, <laughs> but... <laughs> I'm on the older end Dan. I'm on the Amiga Commodore stroke not this Playstation <laughs> <laughs> right, so I think we're hitting full time. So I just want to get your high point of the season. I know there's not been many, but there are a couple of gems in there. James, you first. What have you got for me, mate? I think uh, I think Stevie B hitting that winner against uh, against Man City has got to be up there with me. Uh, I think it was just a brilliant all round performance, great atmosphere that night, and and seeing just the way uh, everyone seemed so happy for him um, to have scored on his debut. Um, that has to be a big high point for me. Carl, anything different? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Sonny's goal against Burnley. Good shout, yeah. uh, I think if you're looking for kind of like a real highlight that season, you know, that goal w- was a fab- fabulous goal. And, you know, if you were lucky enough to be there that day and you can sit there and say, I was there. Um, I think that was a real high point in a season where, in all honesty, there wasn't really that many high points to get excited about, was there? You know, the odd good performance, like James said, beating Man City 2-0 at home, that was, again, was another good performance. Um, But for me, Sonny's goal would be up there as the moment of the season. I'd also add to the mix um, the away last-minute wins at Wolves and Villa. 
not golden moments in the games itself, but I think, you know, something to, to look back on as relative highs. You know, it's always good to get a last-minute winner, especially in dramatic games such as those. So, yeah, add those to the mix as well. But as you say, Cole, not a lot to hang our hats on. Hopefully, it's different next season. And now, it really is time for this season. We're done. So, we're going to have a break. With that said, Cole, is it time to tell the listeners about our secret Amazon project? I think so, mate. I think this would be a perfect time. Yeah, we've had we've had a few little uh, teasers, haven't we? So, yeah, I think it's perfect timing, mate. Okay, so when those episodes drop, we're going to be doing some episode review shows. Not like Watch Along Live or anything like that, but once they're all sort of in the system, we're going to sit back and watch them, and then we're going to analyse what everyone else has been watching as well. So that means, James, plenty of homework for you, mate. Absolutely. I think it's going to be a little bit difficult watching uh, every now and then, but... Uh, I think it's gonna it's gonna have to be necessary. I'm not sure whether I want to watch it, but I feel like I have to. No, you've got to, mate. It's orders now. That's fine. I, I, you're, you're the captain. You tell me what to do, mate. Right. Okay. So just to do the final bit of admin, and first I'll repeat my thanks from last week. I think we're getting close to twenty thousand listeners now. So thank you to anyone and everyone who's taken the time to listen over the course of the last nine months. We only got started in October, so I'm looking forward to getting a whole season under our belt, unbroken next time around. Also, I need to thank my excellent co-host. So, James, thanks for this season. Another one in the can between us. Fantastic effort. Now, go and have yourself a very hard-earned rest. Thank you, mate. I think we've all earned it, haven't we? But as, as always, it's an absolute pleasure talking with you guys. Uh, it's a pleasure to, to have that many listeners. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. And hopefully, next season, we can go and do it all again. Absolutely. And of course, Carl, thanks for all your time this season. I hope you've enjoyed it. And is there anything you'd like to say to our legion of listeners? No, I think, you know, repeat what James said, you know, you give thanks to every one of them who's listening. You know, your feedback's always wanted. Um, we've always said, haven't we, Dan, you know, anyone who wants to come on the show, feel free to shout us out because we're always happy to get new voices, new voices on. You know, we don't want to stick to the same old voices every weekend with the same opinions. Um, it's been great. We love doing this. It gives perfect therapy. I'm sure there's plenty of people who use this on their commutes and that, after, especially after a bad game, to get all those frustrations out and just looking forward to next season. And hopefully we can have a few more Mondays where we're, we're talking about good things rather than disappointing things. Top man. OK, as Carl says, if you want to be on the show, just get in touch. There's always a seat for somebody, so do get in touch with us. We'll be back in September, and as I say, we're looking forward to doing it all again soon. Therefore, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy, and as always, come on you Spurs! For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews, and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.